Hi guys, my name is Kenny Dusso, and this is the Elite Development Podcast. The goal of this show is documenting my journey as a coach, things I see in the industry, of mistakes I see athletes make, things that I know you need to avoid. So basically, my goal is to help athletes avoid the difficult pitfalls of the world of elite performance sport and to help them reach their true potential. So if you are an up-and-coming athlete that is trying to build the career of your dreams, make sure you're following along this show. Make sure you go subscribe on the YouTube channel, on the podcast, and everywhere else you can. And now, let's get to the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast, the number one show for athletes looking to gain an edge on their opponents and build their dream careers in sport. I'm your host, Kenny Dusso, and today we are doing a live Q&A in my Facebook community. So all of you who are tuning in, if you want information on how to join the community, make sure you drop me a DM on any of my social media accounts after you see this, and then we'll get you in there. We'll get you the link. We'll get you over and so that you can be part of these Q&As. So let's get into it. Question number one. Is 26 too late to start MMA and actually be able to make a pro career? So uh, to make this answer short, no. Alexander Volkanovsky started MMA at 24, and he's one of the greatest fighters of all time, if not the greatest fighter of all time. So is 26 too late to start? Absolutely fucking not. Now, again, depending on how seriously you're willing to take it, depending on how seriously you're willing to take your training, your nutrition, your recovery, all of those important elements of the game. How far are you going to go? I don't know. Do you have any kind of background in traditional martial arts that you can rely on? Or have you been training for a while and you're just now thinking about taking your first fight? I don't know. But long story short, no, 26 is absolutely not too late. But you need to be clear on what you're actually aiming to accomplish. If you're coming in at 26 and your thought is, you know, I'm just going to train a couple times a week and, you know, I'm going to build this great pro career, probably not. If you're coming in at 26 and you've got a plan, I want to achieve this level, I want to get this far, These are the, how, this is how I'm going to get there, then you're much more likely to actually be able to do it. So my advice to you coming into a sport at 26 years old is have a clear vision. What exactly are you trying to accomplish in your time in this sport? And then have a clear why behind that vision. Because if you are just, if you have a vision, but you have no reason behind why you wanted to accomplish it, then every time shit gets hard, every time, you know, you're struggling or, you know, training's hard or you're feeling a little sore or beat up, your instinct is going to be to give up. But if you have a clear why behind it, then you're much more likely to stick it out when shit gets more difficult. One of the best examples of this, my an athlete of mine, Clayton, he started training with me when he was 30, and his goals are to win a win a jiu-jitsu world championship. He'd been doing a little bit of jiu-jitsu off and on before coming in to train with me. But what changed for him is he had a, he had his son. And because he had his son, he decided he was like, man, I don't want to be some, you know fat dude that my son's looking up to, you know, thinking I'm a total loser. It's like, I want my son to be able to look at me and be like, holy shit, my dad's a badass and I want to be like him. So every time training gets hard, every time he has a setback, anything like that, there's not even a thought in that dude's mind about even stepping back, let alone quitting, because he knows that now his now two-year-old son is watching every step of the way while he's training. So if you're starting a sport a little bit later, 
have a clear vision, have a clear why, and then give it everything you fucking got. You're going to have a lot of people tell you that it's not possible. You're going to have a lot of people tell you that you won't be able to make it. Fuck all of them. If you're willing to put the work into it, you're willing to put the time into it, fuck what anyone else has to say about it. Go for it. The blueprint's there, and you can absolutely fucking do it. So I got a couple of questions rolling in in the group live. So number one, how much should someone who trains BJJ six to seven days a week do cardio for endurance for BJJ? Now, for all combat sports, a lot of guys are training six to seven days a week. So my first thing for you would be make sure you have one rest day in there, because even if you feel good now, I can tell you from being 30 years old and breaking myself multiple times on the way up as an athlete, you need a rest day. Even if you don't feel like you need it right now, you need a rest day. That rest day doesn't have to be absolutely no activity, but it shouldn't be hard training because when it comes to endurance, what that's going to do for you is that's going to let your body heal. And if your body's healed, it's going to be able to function at a higher level. And if it's functioning at a higher level, you're going to have better cardio without even training the cardio. Now, how many cardio sessions should you add on? This, usually I keep my athletes to two to three strength and conditioning sessions per week. And the reason for that is you've got a lot of sports-specific training in there already, right? People think they need to do extra work seven days a week, but on top of the work you're already doing, two to three consistent sessions every week would be absolutely enough. Now, the content of those sessions is also going to be extremely important. And that is going to depend just on so many other factors, where you're at in your season. Are you competing like in a month? Are you competing in six months? Do you even have a competition lined up? And the other thing that I would really recommend you start thinking about is building strength. Because if you're doing six to seven days a week of jujitsu already, and your thought is, I need more cardio, the chances are your cardiovascular shape is already pretty decent. But if you're not doing two to three strength sessions per week, lifting weights, building up your body physically, what starts to happen is it's essentially like building a house without building a foundation. It's like popping four walls into a pile of mud and throwing a roof on top. Structurally, it looks sound until a gust of wind comes and blows the whole thing over. So the way that your strength is going to, your cardio, I'm sorry, is going to improve the most if you're struggling with that right now and you're training six to seven days a week already is building a proper strength base, two to three sessions per week, full body on top of the training that you're doing right now. I hope that helped. Now, the next question that's rolling in live, what training should I focus on for a kickboxing tournament full contact? Now, again, questions like this are tough because there's a lot of context that we need to be able to answer them properly. So. What areas are you struggling in physically when it comes to kickboxing? You know, because if you're super strong and powerful, you have that one punch knockout power, but you know that if it goes to the second round of the fight, you're gassing out and you're going to be screwed. That's going to be a whole different answer than the person who has the ability to push a pace for, you know, three to five rounds, how fights are in the tournament, but doesn't have the ability to just put some, right? That also depends on how far away the tournament is. If you're 12 weeks out, it would be a lot of strength-based aerobic capacity work to make sure that we're focused on building up the body physically. If you're three weeks out, that's a lot of power speed work to make sure that we're building these fast, powerful athlete on top of the strength foundation. 
Does that make sense? So I know that's not a super, super clear answer, but I hope that helps. So the main thing is making sure you're focused on building the foundation early so that you can start doing the more explosive power work, the more speed work as you get closer. But if you haven't built that strength foundation, you're going to be you're going to be struggling a lot with the power and speed work. Um, the four day workshop. Yes, it is absolutely going to be recorded. Now, the next question that we've got is five foot six too short to be a champion in combat sports. Absolutely fucking not. Henry Cejudo was a double champion in the UFC and an Olympic gold medalist, and he was five foot four. But the main thing when it comes to this and when it comes to the first question about is be, is, 20, is 26 years old too late to start, you got to stop looking at the barriers. If you're only five foot six, there's a couple of things that you need to think about. First, what weight class are you in? You know, if you're carrying a bunch of extra weight and you're trying to fight at 185 pounds, well, maybe it's time to take your nutrition and take your cardio a little bit more or your conditioning a little bit more seriously drop yourself down to 135, 145, where you're going to be against guys that are close to your size, right? If you're already in those weight classes, then you shouldn't even be the shortest guy there. Stop looking at the barrier. Five foot six is irrelevant if you are the right person in that five foot six frame and start looking at the opportunity. You have the opportunity to show, even though, you know, you have this quote unquote barrier in front of you, you have the opportunity to work hard at it every day, come up with a game plan that's going to allow you to best use your frame, build yourself up stronger, faster, more powerful than you've ever been, and then fucking dominate even if you're shorter than your opponents. Five foot six isn't a fucking barrier. That's mindset. Now, how to improve your game if you don't live near a good gym? So this is going to go a little bit along with the theme here. You got to stop looking at the barriers. If you want to be a high level athlete, you want to be a professional fighter and you don't have access to a good gym, you need access to a good fucking gym. Like, yeah, you can shadow box on your own. You can go to the shitty gym that you've got access to, whatever your situation is. But if you don't have access to good gym and good coaches, you're not going to be successful. Plain and simple. You know, you can learn things on your own. You can learn things by watching YouTube. Like, you can learn some things for sure. But if you're not willing to make the move to where there's actually going to be a gym that's going to have the right setup to help you, you don't want it badly enough. And I know that might hurt to hear, but you need to be willing to make those sacrifices if you actually want to make this your career. So stop looking at the barrier of I don't live near a good gym. Now, make sure that you're thinking about how do I put myself in a situation where I can get around the gym that I need to be at in order to be successful. Now, this one is a fun one. This one is going to be a good one to uh, good one to get into. And how to measure if you have good conditioning. This question uh, makes me laugh a little bit because there's so many, so many different ways. Um, you know, there's so many things you can use, like heart rate monitors. There's like very fancy conditioning type of tests that you can go get done, like to measure, you know, things within your body. But guys, ultimately, the way to know whether or not your conditioning is improving, first of all, we've got to switch the mindset because good conditioning is subjective. If you're in your first week in the gym, good conditioning is literally, you know, 
hey, last week I lasted one round before I died. This week I lasted two. If you're a seasoned professional, good conditioning is I can put the pace on the best athletes in the world, right? So good is subjective when it comes to conditioning. What you need to be focusing on is improving yours. Like I have athletes ask me all the time, you know, I was doing my air bike session and I kept it at, you know, this many rotations per minute. Is that good? Like, is it better than you've done before? And they're like, yeah. I was like, then fuck yeah, that's good. It's like, if it's drastically getting worse, that's a problem. But it's like, if your conditioning numbers are improving, you're on the right track. So first off, we got to switch the mindset. Stop thinking about, is my conditioning good? Start thinking about, am I continuously improving it? And then the second thing with that, guys, the best way to know if you're improving your conditioning, keep training. And if you keep training and you keep feeling better while you're training, your conditioning's improving. If you keep training and you keep feeling like you're gassing out after one round and it's been a couple of months and that's not changing, then you need to fix something. You need to make some changes. You need to do something differently. Now, I hope that makes sense because, again, there's a lot of really fancy, really expensive things that you can do, but really and truly, all of it comes down to how do you feel when you train? How do you feel when you fight? How do you feel when you spar? Is it improving over time? Are you consistently working at it? And is that work you're doing getting results? Then you're on the right track. And then the uh, I had a couple more questions roll in. So we're going to go into these two questions here. Uh, number one, oops. Well, this one just popped up on the screen. So let's uh, let's go into this one first. And so do you have any gyms and countries where you can get a good camp for striking that ain't so expensive? So I don't know specific prices, but I know here in Canada we have, uh, well, even here in Calgary, in the city, we've got a couple of really good striking gyms. The one that really sticks out to me here is Dunamis. Um, a bunch of my athletes train there. The head coach is a professional Muay Thai fighter. He's on the verge of uh, making it to one championship. And the craziest part about this dude is he's got one arm. Um, it's insane. Watching him fight is the coolest thing ever. But when it, when we talk about, you know, ain't so expensive, think about what you're asking, right? You're asking to get high quality at a low cost. As a rule, if you want higher quality, it's going to cost you more too. Yeah, his name's Jake Peacock. Look him up. One arm, it's crazy. And like he doesn't just beat people, he destroys people. It's super cool to watch. Um, but yeah, quality is gonna cost you. It's you know, plain and simple. Like, yeah, there's gonna be deals here and there for sure. But what I would start thinking about is how can you put yourself in a better financial situation? Is that getting a new job? Is that cutting down on expenses? Like, where are you spending money right now that could go towards that striking camp that you're looking for that's going to be able to put you in a better situation for your career? Um, now, hypertrophy training. Will this affect my athletic performance? Yes and no. So... People bring this kind of stuff up to me because they think that, you know, having muscles is going to make you slow. And that's just not true. But the base of your training should not be push, pull, legs. Let's see how big I can get like you see bodybuilders do. Right. Having muscle is crucial to survival, let alone performance in a sport. It's crucial to survival. 
every movement you make, like the movements that you made to type that question out require muscle. So muscle is not a bad thing. You need to have it, but you need to make sure that the focus of your training is not just continuously building up bigger and bigger and bigger. The focus is balancing your strength with explosive power, with speed, and with proper conditioning. So hypertrophy training, not bad for you, but don't have that be your sole focus. Where I throw hypertrophy in with a lot of my athletes is off-season. Like if a guy's had or a girl has had issues with, you know, let's say the sh- a shoulder, then after they fight or when I know that they don't fight for like four to six months, I'm going to take four to six weeks and just really hammer on building muscle so that we can better support that shoulder and make sure that the next time that person fights, they're in the best shape possible. And the joints that they've maybe had issues with are armored with a lot more muscle. Uh, yeah, so hypertrophy training is a good thing, but it should not be the like sole purpose of the training that you're doing. So guys, that is it. That is all. I'm just going to double check. Yes, I got through all the questions that we have here. Uh, and we've got one last one. This is going to be the last question of the day. Tips for damaged rotator cuffs. Now, this is going to depend on how damaged they are. Like, are they like torn apart? Like, are you needing surgery? Because if so, the first tip would be go get it checked out by a professional um, to make sure that you can get the surgery that you need. Um, If they're just like a little strained or anything like that, anytime a joint or a muscle is like strained or just feels overworked, tip number one that you absolutely need to take in is rest. Like I understand you want to train hard. You're an athlete. You're pushing yourself. But if you're not resting, that joint's just going to keep straining or that muscle's just going to keep straining and eventually it's going to turn into a big problem. But if it's just kind of bugging you a little bit, like it doesn't really feel good, give it a couple of days. And if you give it a couple of days and it doesn't get any better, you might have a problem on your hands and you might need to start actually really focusing on it. But if you just try to work through it when it's like uncomfortable, then you might make it worse. And if you make it worse and it becomes a problem, now you're looking at like real time off, right? So tip number one, rest it. Tip number two, you've got to build up the strength everywhere around it. Anytime something's injured, people either just like complete rest for weeks to try to get the pain to go away. And if you do that and you rest for like a long time, like you're trying to take like a month off or something crazy, the muscles around it get weaker. And in turn, the problem gets worse. It just doesn't feel worse because you're not using it. But if you take that opposite mentality, you give it a day or two to chill because it might be a little bit inflamed. And then from there, you start building strength around it. What's going to happen is your body's going to become less reliant on that specific muscle. So it's going to be going through less stress and it's going to be able to heal and continue to get stronger. So guys, that is it. That is all. I appreciate everybody who tuned in live. I appreciate everybody who dropped questions. Everybody over here, if you want into the Facebook group so you can be part of these Q&As in the future, drop me a message, let me know, and we will get you that link and we will get you into the group. Everybody here, I appreciate you all for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And as always, if you got value from this episode, share the show with a friend, with a teammate, with a coach, with somebody who needs to hear this message. Hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day, and I'll catch you on the next one.